Welcome to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. Um, we're so grateful that you're here. If you're a guest today, we hope you found your way in, saw some friendly faces. Um, we have copies of the sermon in the back if you'd like to follow along for whatever reason. Make sure you know that. And we have a restroom in the back as well. Um, we've established a system where we review the bulletin two, three times through email, the entire staff. Um, but this was the fourth week, so it was a crazy week. So we got some things that I want to fix with you. Take out your pen and take out your bulletin. We're going to get it straight. So that we're not drawing it up as we go along. The sacrament of baptism will be right after the glory of Patri. The final hymn is number 144. Not 114. And the children's sermon is Miss Marjorie. Instead of Jim Scudder, you will see clearly that it's not Jim Scudder coming forward. It is a lifelong educator with a pretty flower on her jacket. Grateful to have y'all here for the baptism. Glad y'all came uh, from all sorts of different ways uh, to be here. And um, it's always fun to have the congregation participate in that covenant as well. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Um, a couple of announcements. Number one, we had an exploring memorial class today. We normally do that on the first Sunday, but we didn't today. We didn't last week because of the fourth. Um, uh, had a great group today. You can come. Uh, we shifted sort of in the summer, but pay attention to when we have exploring memorial classes. You learn more about guests. Uh, people who are visiting the church, you learn more about the United Methodist Church and our church in particular, what we're trying to do uh, within the United Methodist Church and uh, uh, see other friendly faces. Uh, we also did a tour of the um, campus. If you ever want to do that, make sure you pay attention to the announcements. Um, Aaron Knight is in the building. There's Aaron. You did that last time. Uh, Katie says, I never see anything below six feet. Um, Erin is uh, going to introduce herself and tell her what's it, tell us what's exciting. Hi, I'm Erin Knight. Good morning. I just wanted to make you aware that we do have recycling um, throughout uh, the church now. I understand that a lot of people are making an effort to get that done in certain places already, which I always appreciate. But if you want to leave your bulletins just in your pew, they will be collected and recycled. And you'll also see those bins all around the church, in the kitchens, in your Sunday school classroom. If you have a, an area where you think it would be used and you don't see one yet, please feel free to let me know. My email address, all church email addresses follow this pattern is memorial memorial excuse me umc aaron at gmail.com and i do have several more recycle bins to put around i'm, I'm buying them as i can I've, I've bought out home depot twice now but this is a big church so um, as far as rooms go uh, thank you for helping me in that effort it's just one more way we can take care of god's creation and i hope uh, it'll be something we all can be a part of thanks thank you aaron uh, Mayor Dana wrote me yesterday and said that there's going to be a um, prayer service tomorrow at First Baptist at noon uh, in response to all the violence that we've had around the nation. Um, so I wrote uh, uh, our staff and um, some of your lay leaders in the congregation if they would like to go. I'll be there and if you would like to go, um, you're certainly welcome to come. First Baptist, obviously just right around the corner, um, will be tomorrow at 12 p.m. Uh, will be a prayer service. Uh, we had a group go to Salkahatchee this week and Carson Radline is one of our uh, students and he's going to come and describe uh, that time at Sarkahatchee.
can describe what Sarcaggi is. Hey, good morning. Um, as Joe said, uh, I'm Carson Radline, and I attended Sakachi two weeks ago. And uh, I just wanted to share just a little bit of my experience, uh, what we had. Uh, Sakahachi is a, uh, a week-long service where um, we share the love of Jesus Christ through service to people's homes. And uh, this year, I helped serve two ladies uh, named Miss Pat and Miss Elaine. Uh, their house had several problems, including a completely rotted floor beneath their, their sink, uh, rotted siding outside of the kitchen, a colored mess on their porch and um, in their woods and uh, they didn't have any gutters either. So uh, my work included ripping out their existing cabinets, um, which resulted in one of their pipes bursting, causing me to be the one to stop the water flow into their house. That was fun, but Charlie Miller was there and he stopped the water, which is a blessing. Um, and then I helped put up scaffolding so that we could take off their fascia board and then we put new ones on there and all the while there was wasps flying around so we had fun killing those. And then um, from there uh, I helped clean all the trash out of their woods which equated to two dump truck loads which was a bunch. And then uh, I dug in uh, post holes so I could reinforce their ramp walkway and then I did a whole bunch of painting. I cleaned their siding on their house and uh, that was all really cool and really important, but I think the best thing that I did was connect with my homeowners and the other people that were there. Um, I th it was really awesome seeing the, uh, the happiness on my homeowner's, homeowner's face when we just did really simple things like clean their siding or just put some new gutters up. And then um, it just really, really spiritually moved me when I saw that. And then... So while I was there, I also made some awesome friends and uh, reconnected with the people I had seen before. And so uh, I really enjoyed hanging out with them in the afternoon and singing as Charlie Miller played songs and listening to that night's devotion. And uh, every year, the, the guy that does the devotions, his name is Mark Hyman, he encourages us to uh, pick a symbol to uh, kind of sum up what we, uh, our experience at Sakhachi. And this year, I have this doorknob as my symbol. And... Um, it just, uh, what it represents to me is how Salkahatchee was like, you know, sort of like a door that I opened and walked through and the, the Lord offered me this opportunity to go to Salkahatchee and I took it and uh, honestly it was one of the best experiences that I've ever had and uh, really just helped me grow in my faith and uh, something that I will definitely keep doing in the future. So that's what this symbol means to me and uh, so yeah, thank you guys. Thank you, Carson. We also host a group, um, I believe the week before the, our group leaves, so if you think, I can't get on a gutter or a roof, that ain't gonna happen. Um, you can help us with snacks for the group that we host uh, to feed every day at lunch. You'll hear a lot about that. Let's begin our service.
join us in our first hymn, number 369. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Yeah. No.
please be seated. I invite you to turn to page 39 for the Baptismal Covenant Liturgy. I love many things about the United Methodist Church. One of the things I truly love is how the congregation participates in any covenant, both in reaffirming their covenant and affirming the covenant of those making one. You join with us on page 39. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Leon Tate Motz III for baptism. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? We do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? We do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? You did. Congregation, we now turn to you. Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? Please skip to number 10. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. And when you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness, that throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in His final victory. All praise to you, Son, Jesus Christ. 
common practice in the United Methodist Church with baptism to not say the child's name because we are all one Christian family. Leontate, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> yeah. You say, hey. Say, what's up? You got excited about what Mr. Carson said, didn't you? You fired up. So he doesn't fully understand love that precedes action, that he was loved before he ever did anything. But we adults sort of struggle with that too, don't we? We're all learning together. And as you participate in this covenant, you are saying that henceforth you will help him learn that lesson in this church. Y'all put your hands on him and you too, big sister. Put your hand on your brother. Leon Tate, the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you look at number 16, members of the household of God, I commend this family to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you and the body of Christ, and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us into eternal glory in Christ to establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Love you, buddy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Please turn to page 611. If you'll remain seated, the choir us in Child of Blessing, Child of Promise. We're going to sing verses 1 and 3. the children forward for the children's sermon.
I want to tell you a story this morning about a man named Jonah. There was a young man named Jonah, and God had called him to go to a great city named Nineveh to preach about God's love to all the people there. Lots of people. And he was going to preach about God's love and his mercy and his forgiving. But you know what? Jonah didn't want to do that. So instead of going this direction to the city of Nineveh, what do you think he did? He went in this direction. And as he was running along the shore, he saw a ship being boarded with a lot of men. And he thought, hmm, that might be a way to run away from having to do what God asked me to do. So he goes and gets on the ship with those men. The ship goes out to sea. All was going pretty well there for a little bit. Then guess what? A storm came up. Lots of waves getting real high. And the men on the ship started looking. And Noah, uh, excuse me, Jonah started looking. And the ship started rocking back and forth from the waves of the storm. Jonah thought, mm, you know, this may be God's way of telling me that I should have done what he told me to do and not run away. So he said, I better tell the men. So he goes and tells the men, you know what, I think maybe this storm is being caused because of something I did. You might be better off if you just throw me overboard. And the men said, no, we've been at sea before and, and storms come up. It'll probably calm in a little bit. Storm didn't calm down. It got worse. So Jonah goes back to the men. He said, I think you better throw me overboard so that you can save yourselves. Well, they thought by then, maybe they should because the storm was really getting worse and worse and worse. So... They threw Jonah overboard. And when he did, when they did, he started swimming. He was going to try to swim to shore. And the ship started going and the calm the storm was calming down a little bit. And as Jonah was swimming towards shore with all his might, he looked behind him and there was a huge whale right behind him. And God had caused this whale to get right up behind Jonah and open up his mouth really big. And Jonah was trying to swim really fast to get away from him, but he couldn't do it. God caused the whale to open up his mouth and to swallow Jonah. Jonah was down in the belly of the whale for three long days and three long nights. And he had lots of time while he was in there to think and to pray. What do you think he was praying? If he's in the belly of a whale, what do you think jo Jonah might have been thinking? I think maybe he was saying, God, if you'll give me another chance, if you'll get me out of the, the belly of this whale, I'll go and do what you ask me to do. And surely enough, at the end of that third day and night, God caused the whale to open up his mouth. Jonah swam out, and as hard as he could, he swam to shore. Now, I'm thinking when Jonah got on shore, 
He didn't just walk to, to Nineveh. I think he probably ran as hard as he could to get to that city because he knew that he had disobeyed God and God had given him a second chance. And so Jonah did go to Nineveh and he preached to all the people there about the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. So that's what I want you to remember. If you, all of your life, always know that God always knows where you are, what you're thinking, what you're doing. So do what you're supposed to do. Okay, after we have our prayer, I found some, not gold fish, but I found some gold whales. And so I brought you some. But you won't eat them while Pastor Joe's preaching, will you? So I'll give you two packs, okay? And you might even take a pack over to Pastor Joe if you want to. You want to do that? Okay. Let's bow your head and then we'll, and will you repeat after me? Dear God, thank you for loving me and for helping me when I do the wrong things. When I do the wrong things. Amen. Okay. Oh, thanks, buddy.
he will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of his scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the book of Psalms, chapter 69, verses 1 through 6. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out, calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You know my folly, O God. Your guilt is not hidden from me. May those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. O Lord, O the Lord Almighty, May those who seek you not be put to shame because of me, O God of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Having surgery tomorrow, uh, Thursday uh, from the 9 o'clock service, if you'll pray for that member. Um, our staff parish committee is the HR of any United Methodist Church, and they're involved in the evaluation and hiring and discussion uh, with any staff member on our church. We have two positions that we're hiring for in the next month, a financial secretary and a director of contemporary worship. If you'll be with our chair, Ken Owens, and that committee as, uh, as we consider multiple candidates for both positions. I think we have great people interested in both. Um, but if you, um, you see the great people we've hired recently, we're happy to have them, and I'm looking forward to hiring uh, more talented team players that are um, rooted here in the community. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together and worship in your name. We thank you for the opportunity as a family to, the affirm, to affirm the covenant of the Mott's family. We thank you for this text that we can open and the music uh, that accentuates it, that teaches us, that leads us. And we ask that as we break this text open, you may make it our story, our journey, our struggle, our redemption. 
Let us most of all in everything we do, Lord, hear your love that goes before us, that is with us as we go, and has existed before we ever knew it, it um, before we realized it existed. Bless us, keep us, and inspire us as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time to give our tithes and other offerings. And if you haven't done it already, if you'll pass the attendance sheet and share any contact information with us that you would like, and we will venture to contact you in that way.
please be seated. We continue today in our theme of creeks, lakes, and streams. We started um, last month, continuing through this month, where we simply pick texts that have to do with people's interactions with one another and with God on any body of water. Understanding that all summer long, y'all were going all out to all sorts of different places. You're driving all, all over the place, driving over ridge, uh, rivers and on bridges. And uh, if we pick those texts, maybe it sticks out to you. Maybe, uh, maybe you remember that as you're going your different places. So today we uh, look at Jonah chapter 1, and it's found on page 1436, or very close to that in your pew Bible. And I read sections of it, so if you'd like to read along, if you'll keep your Bible open so that you can read along as I go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and heeded, headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So time is a huge factor. Consider occupations in which time is critical. Those people have to arrive quickly. They have to be listening and understanding when it's their time to go. And they need to get there as quickly and safely as possible. They need to listen. They need to assess what's going on in the situation. They need to act very quickly to help. A prophet is on call to be the voice of God for whatever needs to be said, to whom needs to hear, to whomever. To make sure it's a, if it's a king, if it's a peasant, if it's somebody from our nation, if it's somebody from another nation, whether times are really good and something needs to be said about God, or times are really awful and something needs to be said about God, a prophet is to be listening for God's voice and speaking to the people. Not necessarily the thing we think of uh, uh, like a um, fortune teller looking in a crystal ball of what's going to happen in your future. But interpreting the present with God's eyes, God's lenses in mind. So Jonah rushes when he hears, but he rushes in the opposite direction. You have to ask, you know, why? Uh, grudge. You think about some of the people that you've held a grudge against. People in the workplace that took credit when they shouldn't have or um, didn't do something when they should have. People in the home, long-standing debates, disputes among family members and you only see each other every once in a while and you have a grudge. We can come up with a grudge for just about anything. If you uh, slow on 29 on a green turn arrow and uh, look, we're not going to get another one of those for five minutes and you were looking down at your phone, we're going to hold a grudge. So any of us can come up with one for any reason. Jonah's got a pretty big reason. People of Nineveh have crushed his people whenever they wanted to, taken whatever they wanted to. And so when God says, if you don't help them, I'm going to crush them, Jonah thinks, fantastic. Go crush them. I'm going in the other direction. Verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. 
All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. If you read along, if you look at that story, you'll see a bunch of lowercase g's for God, the word God, because they're all calling out to their various gods from any way, shape, or form. Lots of times we read about our God, our, our Lord, is capitalized. But in this case, each one called out to their own God to see if anybody could do something about it. These are sailors, not rookies. I've been eight miles off the shore of Edison Beach one time, and I felt like that boat was too small to be doing anything like that. And the entire time we were out there, I was in full rookie mode, interested in getting that boat moving back towards the sea, back towards the coast. These guys know what they're doing, and so they know a legitimate storm. They know a legitimate storm is here, and something has gone awfully wrong. Fun fact. There will be a storm with disciples who are fishermen and Jesus will be asleep in the bottom of the boat in the Gospels. And you'll see, if you continue to look at the Old Testament, you'll continue to see continuations of that story in the New Testament in the life of Jesus and those around him. So verse 7 says, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. You see that a lot, casting lots. You wonder, like, what is that? Uh, throwing dice and those dice are an indicator of something that's going to happen or our two girls when we tell them to take a bath like they're not going to have to take a bath and they just want to delay it nine minutes and they do paper rock scissors to determine who's going who's going to have to take a bath it's something where we are doing we're not certain what the source of this is and we're doing something to determine who's right and who's wrong Let's cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. These are all in caps. Who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So their main concern is, From what people are you? What kind of gods do you have? And what are those gods up to because of something that you've done? When he says the God of heaven who made the seas and the dry land, the very seas that they're on, you can see how frightening that would be. And so he ran from the first emergency, which was the people of Nineveh, who still don't know that they need to do something. And he's created another emergency, these fishermen on this boat, and they know very well that they're in an emergency. Have you ever known that you needed to do something? And so you did something completely different and created trouble in that thing while not fixing the trouble over here? Of course. We've all done that. It can be something as simple as a bowl going in the dishwasher 
or should have gone in the dishwasher. Or a car that was supposed to get an oil change or the tires fixed or whatever and you're about to get on the road for nine hours. And not doing that thing can lead to this thing and not doing that thing can lead to this thing. And then it unravels and now we're all upset with one another and we're going to settle this right now in front of everybody. Bad news. Jonah running from one created another. And don't look now, but it's getting worse. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me in the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Women, have the men ever asked you what they should do? And then you told them, and then they did another thing for a little while before the thing that you told them to do. Yes. You're lucky if we ask what the thing is. We should do, right? What should we do? Throw me in the water. No, we're not going to do that. That's crazy. We're going to keep paddling. Then they figure out, just as he did, I'm not supposed to do the other thing. I'm supposed to do the thing you asked me to do. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. They figure it's a death sentence to throw him in this storm. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, capital L, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. These are men who are now worshiping the big L Lord after this experience. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now what have we talked about in terms of three days and three nights? When we see that, when we hear that, oftentimes it's a time of confusion. It can be a time of reflection, clarity, a time when nothing else is happening, and so now we can focus on the thing that was said before all of this. Jonah has that opportunity, as once mentioned in the children's sermon, to think, what was I called to do, and how am I supposed to do it? And if you've ever been told to do something, you went a totally different direction, you realize what was wrong, and you want to get it right, you'll understand chapter 2 of Jonah. You can go look at it. It'll take you two minutes to read it at home. And he says, uh, you know what? You're the man. You have a capital letter. Uh, you have a plan. I'm an instrument of that plan. I want to do a better job. Chapter 2 is an excellent example of that. And that fact, that thing that we need to know, the thing that the water taught him that day and can teach us today is, this story is bigger than me. I have a part in it. I've been given a particular skill set. I have an opportunity to serve. But this story is bigger than me. And the thing that I want so desperately right now, or the thing that I want to do, or the thing that I think is a priority over and against the thing that's been shared with me, is not the case. I've got to understand that I am a small but important participant in an enormous, ongoing, 
important to emphasize ongoing story. Things need to be done. And this is you saying this. I'm uniquely qualified. And my inattention to these tasks may unravel multiple scenarios that could put others in trouble. One can learn a great deal in 72 hours. That he is called, regardless of what's happened before, to go and be a prophet in that nation. Consider what your gifts are. Open time in your heart, in your mind, in your day to listen and say, what is your will for me today? I understand that this isn't a book that's way back then that is over and done with, but that this is a story of which I'm a participant and I can do something today. God, make me an instrument. Help me understand this story is bigger than me. Help me understand that time is a factor and that I am to run towards emergencies in your name, in your hope, in your peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and join me in our final hymn, number 144.